Well, I figured I'd give you a little bit of a report of my trip to um, Michigan doing a youth camp this past week. How many want to hear a little bit of a report on that? Some of you have been following on Facebook a little bit. I, I see your likes on some of the things that were posted. But um, So I would, and, and there was very little um, cellular signal uh, or Wi-Fi. It was really bad. So I would try and post things only to find out they were posting like two days later. And I'm like, are you serious? It took two days for that to load up. Um, but I would see that it was slow. And then all of a sudden I'd go in the next day and it said, post failed to load. <clears throat> you know, so... Um, but some of them went through, and the most important ones I found came through, and it was getting ready to speak to a bunch of youth, you know, please be praying, and people would be praying, and, and God really showed up each night. Um, I, uh, I did a um, more or less a, a sermon um, series, if you will, through the camp, focused on uh, the, the concept was transcend, and um, uh, Josh Grimes and myself, Pastor Josh and myself, came up with that concept together as we talked about the camp. He wanted me to be a speaker, so we came up with a concept together. I actually preached a message here on Transcend, but you are going to get that sometime in one message uh, called Transcend the Bait. Uh, if you've ever read John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan, um, he talks about bait being, you know, the way the enemy traps us in. It's like scandal on. Uh, I didn't share this story out there, but one of the stories I like the most in that book is that that offense, if you will, things that others do to us. Frankly, we can offend ourselves, others can offend us, um, and, and we end up trapped. And we end up taking that bait and offended, and the word scandal on, you know, you're, you can't get out of it. It's a scandal. The devil is scandalizing you and keeping you here rather than walking in the freedom that Christ intends you to walk in. And it's always going to be, you know, issues, if you will, with you and God and issues with others. It's that simple. That's the reason why Jesus gave the great commandment was what? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. The second one is like unto it, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. It's dealing with you and God and dealing with you and others that is always going to be you know, the real issue of walking out this real faith, this thing we call walk for God. And so um, in doing that, I, I kind of did the cross stick, if you will, of uh, bait, and that was transcend your blunders transcend your assaults, transcend your ignorance, and transcend your tests. And what it had to do with was transcending your blunders, that's your sins. That's a, that's a nice, sweet way, I told them, of, of saying, you're in sin, you know you are, uh, everybody's got something they're working on as they walk this walk of salvation out. That's why the Bible gives us time. It says, work out your salvation, right? And then it says, with fear and trembling, with respect with reverence for God and a trembling trembling that, you know, you will stand before him on the great day of judgment. It, it, it's not that we walk in fear. It's that you should know that that is a great and a dreadful day. I want it to be a great day for me and a dreadful for no one. Do you get that? I want it to be a great day for me and a dreadful one for no one. Now, this will spill over into our message for the day. A great day for me and, 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 and a dreadful one for no one. But it will be, and we know that there are those that will not choose Christ, will not accept the work that he's done for them. And for them, it's going to be a dreadful day. We know of his return that people will call upon the mountains, that they'll just let the mountains fall on us and, and kill us. That there will be dread in people's heart at the return of the Lord. Not for the saints. <laughs> it's a great, you know, and what a day of rejoicing it will be, right? We rejoice at that day. And so... 
So in doing that, uh, dealing with their sins, their, their blunders, if you will, and then the assaults, the things that others have done, you know, against us. And, uh, and then dealing with the ignorance is, look, you can't be conformed to this world. You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? And if you're not transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you're going to continue to have a plenty of those blunders in your life. And you're not going to be able to deal with others' assaults in your life the way the Word of God calls you to. You return. So I went to Matthew 5 talking about the Beatitudes, if you will. Um, Jesus goes into, if you don't forgive, you're not forgiven. See, it's, it, it transcends. That, that knowledge, moving beyond the ignorance of God's Word, will translate you into His marvelous light and out of darkness. L- living in darkness is not just that you uh, struggle with sin, but that you struggle with the sins of others and, and you struggle with being able to forgive their sins, especially when their sins have hurt you. Come on now. And so uh, we got to deal with that ignorance. We need to have our, our mind renewed in the word of God so that we're able to, to deal with our stuff and deal with other people's stuff and reflect Christ in the midst of all those situations. And then finally, transcending your tests, that, that if you do all those things, then your tests are going to come. There's no question about it. Jesus lived his life right, correct? without sin i want to ask you on his way to the cross heading to the cross when he was in the garden of gethsemane was he in the midst of the test we know he was why he was asking for that cup to pass and ultimately once we we move beyond that place of ignorance uh we're 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 right in our test why because okay now i know what's right and i've got to choose now that i know there's this god's way our way and his ways are higher than our ways, now I have to choose. I'm right smack dab in the middle of the test. Because now that I choose to follow him, I choose to, to do what's right concerning God, and I choose to do what's right concerning others, you know, it's by his power, but I still have a choice. He didn't usurp my choice, did he? He leaves free will there. And so the moment that we come to that revelation, we have to choose, and that's the greatest test. And even Jesus, the Bible says, was tempted in every fashion that we are, but he never gave in. Jesus passed his test. We'll be tempted to go our own way. We'll be tempted not to forgive or release other people for going their own way and it having effect on us. You know, but as we learn the Bible and as we learn his ways, we are right in the test of choosing to go that way rather than our own. And so through all of that, um, and most of you know my testimonies of of, of how you know being raised and abused and things like that that was woven in context of that some of the other testimonies of lives that have been changed uh, here at gateway within context of your lives testimonies i've heard i kind of wove some of those in telling stories through the whole thing so that they weren't just hearing teaching they were actually hearing the manifestation of when you give god those opportunities here's his redemptive power here's how he works in the midst of that probably had about um you know, 15 girls that were raped. Countless, you know, uh, young people that have been sexually mistreated, abused. Altar was full, you know. The first night, it was full from the standpoint of repenting from their stuff. The second night, it was full from releasing and forgiving others. I had adults that were workers in youth. They were at the altar and filled the altar as well. Every night of those meetings, God moved greater and greater and greater. On the third night, we did uh, 
we were really focused on, again, transcending your ignorance is all about finding your calling. And so uh, they, they filled the altar, and we began to pray for people. And, and the way we did it, we, and I want to do that here sometime. We'll see when that comes. But, uh, you know, I've done what they call a sheep dip. Anybody ever heard of a sheep dip? You're like, what? Who's ever farming? You dip your sheep so all the worms. You know, demons do try to destroy our life. And so it's like, you know, we're oppression and, and depression and all those eschens and, you know, um, isms and all those things that we get, you know, loaded down with. God has a way of just going, you know, none of those things matter in light of his word. When you move beyond ignorance, right, you're able to walk in his calling. And so uh, uh, we were talking. I said, you know, I've done something called a sheep dip one time and I'd like to do that. And he's like, a what? I'm like, come on, man, you're from Ohio. You don't know what a sheep dip is? See, you dig a hole, and you put plastic in it, and what you do is run the flock of sheep through it. And what they do is it, it's, it, it's, it, it inoculates, or it kills the worms on them, the stuff that can get on them. You know, I, I say as believers, once we've given our life to Christ, it's really hard for the devil to get in us. But it's not for, hard for the devil to get on us, right? He gets on us, oppresses, and tries to, to do things in our life. So... So we, you'd run sheep through there, and when they come out the other side, oh, they're so happy, they're not scratching anymore. When they're rubbing, it's not good. It's not productive for sheep to rub their wool off because you want their wool, correct? Huh? You're like, oh, pastor's going to take an offering after this. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, but you get me. And so he said, well, we've done what's called a fire tunnel. I'm like, ooh, I like that. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, right? So... So we line the ministers up, and what happens, the kids, uh, hundreds of kids just line up, and they're coming through one at a time. We had a three-and-a-half-hour prayer service. So you had the service, and then a three-and-a-half-hour prayer service. Not one of those kids walked out of there, and I'll tell you why. They're coming through that tunnel. Now, he had a, a friend from India, a pastor, an open Bible pastor from India was in as well, and a um, little fireball. And when I say little, if you saw my post on Facebook, Josh Grimes is here, I'm here, and then this guy from India is like, you know, I think, Hey, buddy. <laughs> but but uh, Fireball, he and his wife. And uh, and so as the kids are coming through, Josh is like, I want you at the end. Because I ministered at his church. And most of you have seen, you know, signs and wonders. Do They're supposed to follow them that believe. Would you agree with that? You know, I'm not telling you anything that isn't in Scripture. It says, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll do these things. You know, cast out demons, right? And they lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. We had a couple healings take place there. A lot of deliverance. Um, and uh, they'd come through. As they're coming through, uh, I was the very end guy. He said, I want you to be at the very end. I want you to pray for all. I'm like, holy moly. You know, so they're coming through, but the pastor from India, he'd pray for people. Man, power of God hitting them. I'm praying for people. The power. So kids, you got to picture a room. It's a little bigger than this, um, and, and I mean, it's just kids laid out everywhere. Some being, you know, freed of, of addictions, you know, because even as they came up and, and, you know, speaking a word into them, it's like, you know, I'm like, you are smoking weed in your room at night. I'm like, boom, power of God hit them, they, you know, setting them free right there. So, I mean, I'm talking half the rooms fill, and they're having to turn the fire tunnel and angle it so that kid, it's like a chute, you understand. So they're having to move the chute because there's no place else to put people. Come on, this is awesome, I think. You know, you're all like, what? Why is that a big deal? It's a big deal because God is transforming life. See, 
people being slain in the spirit, laid out, whatever you want to call it, none of that stuff is ever, here's the thing for me, I don't care about that. I care about the fact that, that their flesh, remember what we said about worship, to worship is to what? In relentless worship, we talked about to worship is to do what? To come low, and he is made high, correct? And I told you about a word that says to prostrate oneself, correct? Well, they're prostrate. Do you get what I'm saying? And flesh doesn't stand in his presence. And so what happens is where there's a lot of flesh going on, I, you know, I can't explain it to you. All I know is kids are getting up changed. One young man that had uh, gone to his sister numerous times and a bad, bunch of bad stuff going on between him, and he'd say he's sorry and so on. This kid was touched in such a powerful way when he came before me he said i just i hear voices all the time i can't it just like constantly and i said that's a demonic tutor trying to tell you what to do and you're listening to it and i didn't know what the situation was i just told him it's a demonic tutor and i said and that guy's going to go right now now um sometimes in deliverance it's kind of interesting but god will tell you to do things you know and you're like to people you're like that's weird. Why does he do that? I don't know why I do it. Just God says, do that, and I do it. And then something happens, right? It's like blowing on people, right? It's like, why are you blowing on people? I don't know. God told me to do it. I didn't like it myself and still don't like it, frankly. <laughs> I don't. I hate it, you know? It's like people are like, why are you blowing on people? I don't know. But I do know Scripture says Jesus blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And where the Spirit resides, the Spirit of God resides, evil can't reside, Right? He fills you up. There's no place for them to be. Amen? Yeah. So, but this one was uh, on deliverance, and you've seen me do this when, when it's, I've got my hands on them, and I'm like, this is a cool one because it's like a lightning. It's, they've described it as seeing a strike of lightning almost. The power of God hits them. But I remember I'm praying for him, and I said, God's going to deliver you right now. And I went like that, and boom. Out he went, I mean, just like a sack of potatoes. Here's the thing, I don't care about that. Here's what I care about. I care about what God did to him. I, here's what I've kind of seen it as. It, I don't even know if I'll get to my message today, but <laughs> I don't care because this is what it's really about. You know, I'll get to it, but we're going to get to it a different road if you guys are okay with that than the normal road. And uh, here's, here's what I look at. Uh, who's ever been operated on? Who went in there and said, I don't want to be put out. I just want to, I want to be awake while you're doing all this. <laughs> like, yeah, I want to feel the pain. I, you know, I really want to see all of it. Like, ugh. 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 Right? No, you want to be put out, correct? I really see it. That's what I've seen that as a lot of times. Now, can I find that in Scripture? I, you know, I don't, they fell as though dead. They came to get Jesus and the power of God on him. They, they came to arrest him, right? They definitely weren't coming to follow him, right? And where, where flesh, when I say flesh won't stand in his presence, there's no greater place than coming to true worship and to be prostrate before the Lord to where you are not high at all. And you certainly know it for a fact. And the moment the power of God hits you like that, you know uh, there's somebody bigger than me in the universe. I used to wonder if they're bigger than me, and now I know because I'm thinking, how did I get down here, right? Now, that's things that people say to me. I'm just like, they're like, man, I, I'm like, wow, how did that happen? I'm like, well, what happened when you were down there? That's what I've always been interested in. I want to know what, what happened when you were laying down there. 
Well, it's like, I don't know. It's like I started hearing, like, it was God. It had to be God because he was saying what he's called me to do and, and, and that I'm not, don't, you know, don't go that way anymore and you need to repent for this and that. That boy got up off the floor after laying there for about 40 minutes, walked over to his sister, knelt in front of her, and sobbed uncontrollably, asking her to forgive him. It's the first time he had ever been repentant for the things he had done. And so when that happened, um, she, and, and now so here's his blunder, a nice way of saying sin, and here's her assault right there on the third night when we're talking about transcending ignorance. And he was able to transcend his sin, his blunder, and she was able to transcend the assault, and God brought them both to a greater place in him. And uh, on the plane to Minneapolis, I guess they, they sent me a long explanation of everything, and they, they, all, they all communicated to me about what God did and said, um, and just basically told me the whole story, which you guys know I'm not going to, no names or no, no real heavy details. It's just God delivered them. And he was talking about how the first night, he's like, he just knew he's, his life's got to change. And she's talking about the second night because I was talking about the people I had forgiven in my past and others I've seen do that. And I've seen people move beyond their blunders and I've seen people move beyond their assaults because they've moved beyond, transcended, if you will, their ignorance and come into that place of, of where, you know, they're faced with making their choice. And they either pass their test or they fail their test. And if they fail their test, they're all back into this mess. They never get out of this. They never overcome. They never go beyond. They never transcend those things. And and really, when you when you wrap it up, the the interesting part was, you know, as all those things are happening, and one girl's like, "I don't know my calling. I want to know my calling." I'm like, well, just, "Just calm down. God wants you." <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, "Calm down a little." You know, because people can get so emotional about it that what happens is they're just like, God doesn't love me, or he'd tell me, right? No, God loves you, and he will tell you. Just be quiet long enough for him to tell you, right? And so what it says, just, just, just shh, shh, shh. be quiet, calm down. Now I want you to close your eyes, okay? Lift your hands to heaven, she does. I said, he is the one that reveals your calling. He's the one that calls. I'm not the one that calls you. He's the one that calls you. So. I want you to picture Jesus walking up to you. Now, people are like, well, you, how can you do that? It's like, I don't know. I guarantee you've tried to picture, uh, Jesus looks like this to me, right? Right? Now, we know that the word of God gives us the best description of Jesus, and we sit and think of Jesus, right? We've got things where his, his feet are like burnished bronze. His eyes are like fire, hair white as wool. Now we're in Revelation, and we're a little bit scared to let Jesus walk up to us, Right? But we see a suffering Savior, and we understand he died for our, our sins, and, and we receive salvation. Are you getting me? There's different images that we can have of him. I said, but I want you to just picture Jesus coming up to you, and you being a little lamb, and him being the shepherd, and his sheep know his voice, and he's going to speak to you. So I want you to just picture that he's coming up to care for you. He'll probably even give you a hug. Who knows? You know. So she's there. I said, when you see him, I want you to shake your head yes. And so, you know, about, I don't know. 30, 40 seconds go by, and all of a sudden she's like, and I said, okay, he's going to say something to you. You need to focus on him and listen. And so she does, and all of a sudden I go, what did he say? And, you know, I gave it a few seconds. I said, what did he say? She went, 
missionary blood. And I didn't touch her. I didn't touch her. She spoke that out. When she spoke it, right, she spoke the word, missionary. Boom, out she went. Power of God hit her. And thank God the catcher was, you know, who knows what would happen. I mean, you know, if God's in it, right, except for on concrete floors, catchers be on, you know, alert when we do it here. But, um, man, you know, and, and she gets up. She's so excited after that. And one after the other, after the other, after the other. Some it's calling. Some it's deliverance. Some, it was just all the different things that the gospel says you know, are supposed to happen when we're following him and being used by him. Now, that was a youth camp, a worship, a whole week that's focused on just seeking God. That environment is very easy to see God move. When we come in to, to offer him an hour or an hour and a half or two hours sometimes with me, and you guys are so gracious to me. You think, y'all didn't respond well to that one because you're like, no, I ain't going to endorse the two hours. <laughs> You know, everything I'm talking about to you, really, um, you all, you allow me to go out. And I think that God really showed me that, you know, these opportunities will come much more. And the more the church reaches out, it's not just it's Jerusalem, but it's Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. That's our call, right? That's what God has commissioned us to do as a church. And, and I've told you, I've had people like, so are you not going to be in the pulpit very much? I'm like, yes, I'm going to be in the pulpit. But do you agree that you need variety? By show of hands, how many of you get tired of hearing me sometimes? All right, well, let me go back and preach again about the blunders. Because right now, you're lying, you know? Uh, I, I appreciate that you enjoy hearing me speak, but, but the reality is, is God didn't say... And, you know, uh, he ascended on high and led captivity captive. This is Ephesians chapter 4. He ascended on high and led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Jesus, it was for freedom that Christ has set you free. We're, we're in this series on relentless. And today, a focus of relentless evangelism, as you will. And I may just shift it. And this is the thing we have to be okay to do is as we feel the spirit move, let's just let's let the communication be what the Spirit's speaking to the church. It's not that we don't strive for that. But sometimes it's like, it's not an outline. It's not a three-point sermon, if you will. It's, it's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speaking out of what is going on. When you think about how it happened in the book of Acts, what happens sometimes? This happened, and they come into the temple. This lame man was healed, and now it's overtaken everything going on. It's like, but I was going to preach today, and, but I think it's, it's good to share with you that you let me go out. You sent me if you get right down to it. Because I still receive my salary from your faithful tithing here. And I get to go out and people work hard. But let me say this, the fruit of what was done there is the fruit of Gateway Church because you've empowered me to do that. And in my heart, I want to see things move to a place because right now I've, I've already turned 12 invitations to go and speak down because I'm not going to be going from the pulpit that much. Amen, somebody. You laughed. Was it nervous? <laughs> like maybe you don't want me? Yeah. So, uh, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, you know, 12 invitations I've turned down, and while I was there, I got another 10. I need you to come speak at my church. I'm like, well, I have a church that I pastor, and uh, I, I'm definitely going to be there more than I'm somewhere else. You know, but uh, when I'm somewhere else, you're there with me. 
Because I tell the stories of what God's done here. I tell the stories of what's happened in our youth. I tell the stories of, of what's happened. You know, I told the story of, of Ray Freeman when I was talking to pastors. You know, and we do a really good job of generational ministry. I think the thing that we're limping on that I'm about to shift to, that I'm going to probably have the pastors kind of pick up, and Pastor James is speaking next week, is that right? And I think I'm going to have him actually do, we're going to do a two-part on this evangelism focus and then move on into the series further, if that's okay. It won't, it's kind of like we're going to hang on evangelism for two sermons, if that's okay with you. And um, I wasn't sure I was going to do that until I got in the pulpit because I have a wonderful, wonderful outline. Uh, and, and, and I think I'll probably give it to Pastor James so he can build on that a little bit more and, and teach that because this week I go and I start to work on writing, uh, finishing my book. Uh, which is a discipleship book, which will be a tool for all of us here too, for evangelism. To be, you know, it's like, what do I teach people? You know, there's a lot of different things you can do, but how do you weave in, you know, our body and our family and, and so that they feel like they're connected to who we are and those things have to be in there. And when my mentors tell me, you need to write around the basics that you teach so that others can teach that and the people coming in feel a connectivity to, to the senior pastor but you don't have, you can't go and set with, you know, 200 people in, a, in, a, in two weeks or you just don't have the time to do that. You got to lead through your leaders and you got to lead through your congregation. That's been one of the hardest things for me because I enjoy God's people and I want to stay there. But it's like, well, you'll stay there then. I'm like, but I want to reach the harvest. I want to reach the lost. And they're like, well, one, you know, a pastor that pastors this way can reach this many people and it maintains that why we brought a seasoned minister in to come alongside which I might add he's doing a stellar job who could give a hand clap to that so um, you know uh, I'll just say you know very simply so so that you know um, that you know he's going to talk next week about and I'm going to get back into some of these stories and talk about our call to evangelism a little bit but next week he'll be talking about uh, a uh, few concepts that are important, four concepts that are very, very important. I would say the fifth one caps them all. Um, but four concepts, and that is we have to be a people who believe very, very strongly in the coming of Christ. That he came into this earth, and he came for a purpose. Christ came to seek and to save the lost. The Father sent his Son from heaven. Let me kind of connect that. See, I came to Michigan, but I was sent from somewhere. When I came to that camp, I had been sent from this church. Yes, sent by God, I believe, but, but you're releasing me to do that and embracing Pastor James to pastor alongside of me and the team and the, the elders here and allowing them to do. And it's the many parts of the body is the way that the church grows. Reflecting back on Ephesians 4 again, he led captivity captive. Look, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be yoked in the, in, in the slavery of sin, but to be free. And he gave gifts to men, some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. You know, and, and to what? That, that we all grow up, that we mature in the things of God. If you will, we transcend our ignorance to the things of God's word and understand, you know, how to deal with our blunders, to live in a, in a life of repentance, to deal, if you will, with the assaults of others, how to live a life of forgiveness towards people. 
and then how to carry that out and help others you know receive that if there's a test it's taking what you have and giving it to other people not keeping it for yourself come on now and so so christ did all of that so that we grow up no longer being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine but we're growing up into the fullness of the stature of christ according to ephesians 4 to one man even christ the head he's the head of the church and so i i sense uh, you know a some clarity of vision that will begin to birth itself into into the month of september of how much we are to work together as the body of christ how we can help you uh, really truly not just talk about your giftings but how can we help you that may come down to the aspect of coaching you're the players on the field and we're the coaches you know and i'm also a player on the field and i have coaches frankly i've got people coaching me and saying look your team can do better than what it's doing but you're not using your team the way that god's called you to use your team that's a sobering moment you know i get to share a testimony of how god did this and this and this I want to hear the testimonies of how God did this, this, and this through you. And that's what I shared with them. I don't get, it's like I come back and share that story, but I've got 12 invitations plus 10. How many is that? 24. How many Sundays are there in a year? How many? You all know. How, how many? So do you want me going 24 Sundays of the year? Somebody said, yeah. Huh? But do you understand where I'm coming from? And actually, there's a reason why when people wanted Paul to come and he'd say, look, I can't make it, but this one is as like-minded as me. He's talked about Timothy. What I want to know is when the moment comes, and I know, God, I know that God's doing this in you because he's doing it in you in this local church. He's doing it in you in this community, and God's using you that way. And somebody says, man, I, you know, I need you to come and speak about this, this, and this. And I'm like, well, actually, I've got somebody that's better than me at that. You know, when I come and speak, I'm able to share their testimony about what God's done over here. And, and it touches you and moves you. But imagine having them come in and speak specifically about that. If the testimony that I shared as their pastor, knowing that story, touched you that way, what would it be like to receive ministry from that member of the body? And so I have this, I was talking to Pastor Warren on my way back, and this thing's stirring in me. And some of you know, uh, one, of my, one of my heroes of the faith, in not even in our time, but, you know, closer to our time was um, John Wesley. Why? Because John built the circuit riders. Anybody know what the circuit riders were? These bad boys, and I can't remember how much they rode those horses, but all I know is their spines had to be so compressed, it wasn't even funny. But what they did is they went from town to town. They would preach, and, and, and they'd stand people up within that, in that town and they'd recognize people who are leaders in that town and focus on them, and revival would come, and what they'd do is set them in and move on to the next town. And they actually then would do like Paul the Apostle, and what they'd do is they'd come back and visit, and they would, you know, and when we get into church planning like this, because I'm going to be uh, stepping in and helping Black Forest with Pastor Vance's uh, house uh, burning down. I mean, his next year is going to be so stinking busy, it ain't even funny. And Randy and Jen Garcia are elders out there. This is why we did a network. You know, I get a question all the time. It's like, what do you think causes pastors to burn out and do stupid things so much? I'm like, because they've got so much on them that they burn out and then they do stupid things. You just answered the question. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? And, and uh, uh, pastoring is considered the second most stressful job in our nation. 
know what most people would tell? Is the president's the next stressful job. No, it's an air traffic controller is the next stressful job. Because <laughs> when you're up there flying the friendly skies, they're not so friendly to them. See what I'm saying? And, and so, you know, when I look at that, the importance of multiplying ministry, it's called the multiplicity of ministry. And that's what Jesus defined in Ephesians 4 was the multiplicity of ministry. He never intended it to be done alone. He intended it to be a body that came together and giftings were discovered and people were deployed in accordance with what he's called them to do as well. I'll wrap up by noon today. Is that okay? <laughs> Maybe not. Let me just go ahead and close in prayer. So you're going to reflect next week on the coming. You've got to be a people who believe that Jesus came to this earth. You want to look at what evangelism looks like. It's preaching the gospel. The good news is he came to take upon himself our sins so that we could live a free life. You're going to look at your call. You're going to look at your commission. You're going to look at your community. And then the fifth one that I believe caps every bit of that is that Christ cared enough to come for us. We needed to care enough to go for them. And honestly, where that came to me was when I was out there and I'm reflecting on all this, and I'm think, I was thinking about this. I was thinking about the pastors that I hear talk about how their churches don't let them go do things like that. And I was thinking about how blessed I am to have a congregation who doesn't, you know, like, well, why are, where are you going and why are you leaving? Not one person has said anything like that to me. And the freedom that I feel to be able to go and pour that out. And by the way, so many people came to Christ, you know, just gave their lives to Christ. You know, I, I'm getting, I'm, I've got like 36 new young people on my Facebook right now and Twitter and, and they're like blowing me up, man. I'm like, amen, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, whew, you know. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some folks that, that will come along with me and, and that, that in context of that create, if we're going to do camps, and by the way, you're probably going to go and do a camp and I'll stay back. As you know, you don't want the same people going all the time. They need variety, amen? I know I'm good, but, you know, I'm not that good. <laughs> I can say that with confidence. Jesus is good in me, amen? You know? Uh, they were commenting a lot uh, to me about, like, man, you've lost so much weight. Da, da, da. I said I got up every morning and said, you fat slob. You Look at you, man. And I said, I just, like, when I read in the scriptures, it's just not the way God thinks about me. And I start realizing, you know, like, I'm not supposed to think that way. Transcend your, you got to overcome those things. And are you dealing with anything different when you come into contact with people in the community, they have challenges in life. They're looking for answers. The last thing they need is to come to church and have more problems. Come on now. So, so the importance of if you think about relentless evangelism in context of this, and next week you'll get some, some real nuts and bolts of it. And, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. It's like, what do I do here? And there's a time for testimony and, and, and revelating more than, than just teaching, you know? And, and I realized this. I'm not a teacher as much as I am an apostle by gifting, you know? If I, if I get to see many signs and wonders were done at the hands of the apostles, Man, when I go somewhere and I pray over people and the power of God's falling like that, I got to tell you right now, I, I'm like a pig in the mud. 
You know what a pig in the mud's like, right? You ever see a hog running out in the field? If you've never seen that, let me describe it real quick for you. He's out in the field. He's hot. You know, they don't have the ability to cool their bodies. That, that's part of why that is. They see a mud hole and they're like, oh. <laughs> right? And that's what I'm like. I'm just like, power of God moving, preaching, you know. And, and I think in context of that, I didn't come and give a fluffy word. That's one of the things that the pastors, it's like, man, you know, most people come and it's like this youthful, fluffy word. Not you, man. You're like, <laughs> right in their junk, you know. And it's like when I'm talking about, you know, some of you boys love lusting after these girls in here. That's some serious blunders, especially if you're doing it in front of their fathers. You know. <laughs> If you're looking at if you're looking somebody's daughter up and down and the father's right there, you might want to take heed to that blunder. <laughs> you know? And it, you get how it goes. It's it's the real issues that people are dealing with. The Bible says that Jesus ministered to the issues of people's lives. If I could challenge you with one thought around relentless evangelism, if you will. It's 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 that place of where we care enough, and that's why the fifth one is caring, that we care enough, Christ cared enough to come into this earth to rescue us, to save us, right? He was sent by the Father. We come and we fellowship together to grow in the word, to be equipped for the work of the ministry so we can be sent out into our community and care, and care for where people's at, where they're at. And and I would say this, that identifying what's the issue of people's life. You can hear people having conversation and they're talking and da-da-da and you're talking about this, you're talking about you know, racing or you're talking about you know, football or you're talking about something. Next thing you know, they say something and, and it kind of hits you like, why did they say that? They say something about their life or they're dealing with this or that and then they're like, oh, you know, anyway. And then they go back to what you're talking about. And you're thinking, Man. and you realize it's like that something must be going on there. You know, it's like, you know, my wife, man, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she just doesn't get that I want to hang with guys and watch football. And then they go on and you're talking about football. And then, you know, one of the best things you could do in that in evangelism to help them live a life that, that honors Christ. Maybe they don't know Jesus, but what happens if you give them some advice that works out to make their life better, they might be more interested in some things you have to share. It really is connecting with them more than anything that there is. It's not, you need to comply with God, you need to comply with God, you need to comply with God. It's connect with them. Why? Because if they connect with you and you're connecting with God, they'll be connecting with God in some way or another. Be relentless in your evangelism from this standpoint. Get to know people. And listen for what God may be doing in their life so that you can minister to them. Minister. The word means serve. You can serve them in some capacity. You know? And all of a sudden, you, you have an idea. It's like, you know, you think, you know what? You know, maybe it's just that you're, you know, you're at work all day, you know, and you're doing this. And then when you go hang out with the buds, the wife's home watching your three kids all day long, taking care of them. And, uh, you know, and then you're gone again. And she's thinking one thing, Calgon, take me away. You know what I'm saying? Maybe what we should do is we should arrange something to where it would be fun for them. Let's get some babysitters. And, and, and they can watch the kids, and the wives can come hang out, and they can do, like, their little thing, and then we're, we could buy them a spa package or something, or, you know, get them, get them a pedicure. And they're getting a pedicure while you and I are over here 
you know, having some wings and watching a football game. You, you hear where I'm coming from. Now you're connecting with them. And you're showing them, you know, a way that, that fosters relationship. You're helping them deal with their blunders and overcome their assaults. Moving beyond their ignorance and passing their test. Uh, and I really, you know, I thought to myself, like, should I share that that way in context? Yes, I should. Because ultimately, if they don't see you passing your test, if they don't see that you have some knowledge that, that's helpful, uh, and, and they see you laden with offense, and your life is messed up, you understand, I just went in reverse on that. Then why in the world do they want to listen to you? <laughs> right? Come on now. But if you're transparent enough to say, you know, look, I, you know, I battle that too, but you know, maybe we can figure this out together, or, you know, do life with them. I talked about this, that with the pastors, it was kind of like all that spilled out, and I had to do pastoral training, you know, teach the pastors some things. And really, when it comes down to it, what is ministry? Ministry is connecting with God and complying with what he says to do. Christianity, connecting with God and complying with what he says to do. How do I know that? Jesus died on the cross, right, for our sins. We accept that. We make a connection with him. Because if you've ever seen that little thing that has the gap, and here sin separates us from God, and Jesus died on the cross to do what? Connect us with God. We become the, the, the adoption of God, if you will, because of what Jesus, he's the purchase price, the propitiation for our sins, and then we're able to connect with God again. And in connecting with God again, here's what Jesus says now. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If that's not compliance, I don't know what it is. And this, this whole idea of God's love, it's kind of like this. If it's God's power and his authority, right, which you'll see some about that next week as I pass this off to James, he'll give you a structure that's going to help weave all this together. But if it's his power and authority, we're going to make people comply. Because Jesus died on the cross for you, and you need to repent. And if you don't come to the cross, you're going to go to hell. Now, all that's true. The attitude sucks. Come on now. It really does. It's like, who? hey, talk to me that way. Anybody raising their hand for that? No. So what is it? It's kind of like this. It's like Jesus did all of this so you can connect with God. And you'll want to comply. Does that make sense? And when we connect with God and we're sharing and we're speaking into people's lives, no greater evangelism takes place than we're connected with God and we genuinely care enough to connect with them to, if you will, where's Wade? Is he in here today? Is he? No, he ain't there. I need somebody that I can be abusive towards. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. hope this doesn't ruin our friendship. So here's what I want you to do. You're standing there, and I'm not going to push you down, but I'm going to kind of nudge you, and it's like I shoved you down. Okay, stay, stay down there. Stay down there. Now, was that attractive to anybody? No. Stay right there. Come on, move forward. Move forward. Crawl. Crawl, you worm. Get to Jesus. You need Jesus, you poor worm. You hear me? Thank you, Jeff. I really appreciate you doing this. <laughs> Lost my mic. 
Or, Jesus, I would like to introduce you to Angie. Which one are you attracted to? Thank you, hon. I'm attracted to that one. I'm not, you getting me? And, 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 and this is the, the whole thing. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. And there's something about when we read the scriptures, we see that there's an impending judgment that, man, gosh, this is going to happen. And if you don't do this, this is going to happen to you. But God's not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind, correct? So our first response is it's laden with love. And it is power. And, you know, true power, true power uh, does not have to um, be loud, really. You know, Jesus never raised his voice. Not saying he wasn't passionate and he didn't speak with, you know, an inflection of voice, but he didn't yell and scream. He didn't demean people, quote unquote, I'm in charge, I have power, and I demean you because you better get here or I'm going to condemn you. He came and he died on a cross so people could be saved. He didn't come to condemn the world. Here's the challenge the world already stands condemned. Every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth stands condemned. The Bible says, in John 3, 17, uh, Pastor James will touch on John. Uh, actually, it'll be the book of John, a lot from the book of John next week. But he'll touch on that. And when he gets it up there to this point, he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now think about that. And it shifts into verse 17 and starts talking about, for he didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world because the world is already condemned. Every man, woman, and child you come into contact with is under the condemnation of the word of God from this standpoint. The law, the perfect requirement of the law has only been answered through Jesus Christ. He didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it so that people had a way to connect with God again. And in connecting with God again, all Jesus is asking us to do is comply with a couple of things. His first one, which he says, a new commandment I give you, love the Lord your... Why? Get connect with God and your response towards people are going to be the outflow of his heart towards them not the outflow of a fear towards God because you're not connecting with him when you don't know him then what you tend to do is gravitate to those things that are judgment because when you're not connecting with him you tend to live your life in condemnation and when you're living life in condemnation you find it easy to condemn others but when you're connecting with him it's for freedom that Christ has set you free right? And there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you looked at that word in, have you ever had a circle of, of folks you see having a good time, friends or whatever, and you're like, dude, I'd like to be on the in with them. How do I get on the in, right? You all getting that? And when you're in Christ, when you're in relationship and you're connecting with him, the outflow of your life is going to be Christ being poured out in their life. And here's what happens. They see your willing, loving compliance, not a, I've got to do this because Jesus wants me to do it. No, I get to do it. I am so thrilled to live my life for Christ. And in that, they too come along and say, okay, well, this isn't like just a bunch of rules. Really, what it comes down to is it's recognizing who it is, relating, and then, you know, reciprocity. Reciprocity is a part of every relationship, is it not? Sowing and reaping? Y'all with me? 
1201, I got to close. Uh, sowing and reaping. Uh, the world calls it the, the law of reciprocity concerning relationships or partnerships or you know, uh, business partnerships, all that stuff they call reciprocity. That when you approach a relationship, here's what you think. If I give in to this, if I, if I connect with this, am I going to get anything back? Don't so, stare at me so self-righteous. Like, you all do it. When I married Angie, you can bet I'm thinking, am I going to get anything back? Will she cook, you know, that awesome chicken fried steak that she made for me? And I'm like, man, this woman is a, a bomb cook. Will she cook for me? Right? And, and when I found out that was the meal that Angie knew how to cook, and she really didn't know how to cook a lot of other things, <laughs> I felt gypped. The law, well, hold on. Just listen to what I'm saying. I, there's no question. I love this woman. I'm trying to show you that in relationship, in that context, we enter into a relationship with certain things in mind. Like, if I give in to this, man, I'm getting something back. You know what I'm saying? Right? Some of you are like, not me. I, I just wanted to give all the time. <laughs> you are so righteous. God bless you. But when that happened, I'm like, so, so are you going to cook? She goes, well, I can make some chicken fried steak. I said, well, could you make something else? <laughs> no, not really. And I'm like, how does that work? Like, I went in on this. The, the chicken fried steak, the green beans, the mashed potatoes, gravy, all that was like, that was like, you know. That sealed the deal, man, you know, and here we are. But I like to cook, so that wasn't that hard of a, of a shift. Does that make sense? Um, I don't think there was anything for my part. I followed through with everything, right? <laughs> we know that's not true. If she knew I was such a diva, I don't know if she'd have been in. You know, what I mean is, is that, you know, I'm, I'm the more high-maintenance one. I can get, you know, we both have our emotional moments, but I can be the one that's like, man, you know, and I vent, and, and she's like, honey, honey, yes. Just, you know, pray about it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you're right, you know. So, uh, you know, we all want to know what we're getting out of it. Don't be mad at Jesus because when he gave his life for you, you expected something out of it. But understand that all he's expecting is love in return. All he's expecting, look, he loved the Father, didn't want to leave the Father, but left the Father to come to this earth because he loved us. And God loved us so much that when he sees us, he's not looking at little worms to kick to the cross. He's looking at children. He's looking at people he loves to lead to the cross. You ever heard that song, Lead Me to the Cross? Let me share this. John Bowen provides one of the most radical, if you will, most helpful and encouraging definitions of evangelism that I've ever seen anyway. He says, evangelism at its core is God coming after us, even at our worst, to invite us to come home. Later, he sums up, evangelism is God's idea, not ours. Sometimes we hear the word evangelism, we're thinking, okay, we're going to have this program. Pastor's going to be asking all of us to do this and that and the other. And the reality is, is evangelism is not a program. And it's not my idea. It's God's idea. And if you will, evangelism is for normal people. It's for normal people. It's like, oh, evangelism is for those special people who really, you know, they really know how to preach. 
No, evangelism is for every person that's ever given their life to Christ. Relentless evangelism is this. I've received something so great that I can't keep it all to myself. I've got to go and share that with somebody else. Douglas John Hall said this, discipleship of the crucified Christ, in other words, discipling in that fact is characterized by faith that drives its adherence into the world with a relentless and a daring they could not manage on the basis of human volition alone. We can't do evangelism in and of ourselves. But what Christ is doing in us to share that with others, that is evangelism. It really comes down to that. When I share my testimony, if you will, when God takes out of the, the, the bait, the blunders, the assaults, the ignorance, moves me beyond all that, and I pass my test, what happens is, is my tests become my testimony. They become that place to where I share with others what God has done in my life. And, and you know what? They could sit and, and say, you're a liar. You know, this is your story. And your story has the greatest impact. And that's why Revelation says that they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. This is what Jesus did. Here's what you do, evangelism and the word of your testimony. That they overcame the enemy, the devil. We push hell back and heaven moves forward. When we, when we preach Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected, the, the gospel is this. God gave his son not to drive you to the cross, but to lead you to the cross. And he has chosen the saints to share their testimony so that people can, by your testimony, know that they can make it there too. Because God's no respecter of persons. But if he did it for you, he'll do it for them. And if you'll go to the cross and receive Christ, what happens is you'll develop your own testimony to do what? To share with others. So the connection you make with God and the compliance that comes out of a loving relationship becomes something that's very attractive for other people. Could you say amen to that? Let me just close in prayer today and, uh, and uh, challenge you with this, that, that my Bible's falling apart. That's a good thing, though. If your Bible's falling apart, it's a good thing. Say amen. If your Bible looks pristine and you've had it for 20 years, you might want to evaluate. <laughs> if your Bible's messed up, you're not. If it's not messed up, you are. Father, I thank you for the members of Gateway Church. And Lord, I don't know exactly everything that you're doing. I do know this, that you're calling us to work together under the leadership of Christ. And Lord, I know that that is possible on greater levels than we've ever known for every aspect of our lives, in our homes, as individuals, in our homes, in our relationships, in our church, in our workplace, God. But those things are so possible if we just connect with you. God, if we'll just realize that you want to have meaningful relationship with us and God make time for it. And then as we do, God, evangelism just becomes the outflow of our relationship with you. It's not a project. It's not a task. God, it is a pleasure and it's a joy because it's a part of our life. Lord, the word testimony really encompasses all of that. It's a story we love to tell. And, and Father, I pray that we never lose sight, that we don't have to labor for it. We just have to rest in Christ because the work that he has done, his blood shed for our sins, allows us to come not under any condemnation, but God, <laughs> under an invitation to connect with you so that, Father, your love 
your joy, your blessing, your peace, your mercy, and your grace flow in us and out of us to others. Lord, I pray that in, as uh, we come together next week, that, Father, we get some of the nuts and bolts that connect, Lord, um, the inspiration of relationship with you, with how to do that and how to recognize, uh, Lord, the, just those concepts of how we connect with you and, Lord, how we connect others to you. I praise you and thank you in Jesus' mighty name and ask your blessings on all the people. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you all.